Hello, I'm Jessica Clemens here on The Ringerverse, and I'll be showing up with theories, Easter egg breakdowns, and explainers on all your favorite content. Today, I'll be delivering a classic Easter egg breakdown of Secret Invasion Episode 5. I'll be going scene by scene in order of appearance, pulling things you might have missed and telling you things you just need to know. This podcast doubles as a video, and if you'd like to watch the amazing work our editors did, or you're just a visual learner, like myself, you can watch the video on Spotify, TheRinger.com, or The Ringer's YouTube channel. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. The fifth episode just clarified how the heck Gravik got those samples. And yes, it really is all Nick Fury's fault. We're also seeing an uprising at New Skrullos and a truly unhinged Gravik. I love it. Either way, here's your one and only spoiler warning. I'm spoiling all of Secret Invasion and diving into things we might have seen from the trailer and potential comic book arcs that could spoil the show. So that's your final warning right now. Let's get into it. We open post-scroll ambush where the President Ritson is taken into the ER with Fury right behind him. At the hospital on UKN24 News, we see the video footage from the ambush. The ticker at the bottom reads, Panic, as the American President's motorcade has been ambushed by unknown terrorists. His current condition is unknown. It's also interesting that unlike normal news stations, the ticker isn't moving. It's just completely idle. I don't know why. Back at New Scrollos, tensions are high because they haven't fulfilled their missions. They keep being sabotaged by Fury. In the second episode, they were welcomed back by thunderous applause, and now it's just disappointment. They're also accompanied by Krieger, who we met in the second episode thanking Gravik. Once all the recruits are gathered, we get this conversation between Gravik and Pagan. And if you'd have stolen what you were supposed to, I could have taken out the convoy single-handed. But would you? You ordered Fury's death when you knew Vara would never do it. You had another chance to kill Fury today, and you didn't take it. Because he has what we need. It feels like there's a lot of confusion at New Skrullos, and because of that, they're finally thinking for themselves. Pagan speaks up and questions whether or not Gravik is a good leader. Pagan confronts Gravik on his willingness to kill Fury because every time he has the chance, he kills Maria Hill or Talos instead. So why can't he kill Fury? Gravik says it's because Fury has the DNA sample. It's also worth theorizing that Fury could be a father figure for Gravik. Remember in episode two, Gravik is an orphan when Vara brought him to meet Fury. The closeness they shared in that moment would give way to why Vara stayed in touch with Gravik all this time and why Gravik has a hard time killing his adopted father, Fury. As any tyrannical monster would do when questioned, Gravik kills Pagan swiftly with his Groot ability. There's been a lot of murder in this show and I really enjoy it. He then assigns Krieger to set up a team to kill Vara. We saw Krieger over oversee security at one point, I wonder if her job is enacting damage control because we only see her keeping things in order. Gravik calls up Skrull Rhodey, and this is when the real espionage action drama starts. Gravik plans to tell Ritson that it was the Russians working with the Skrulls and use the satellite footage of new Skrullos as proof they're working in tandem. This isn't a bad idea, but I think the real issue with villains like Gravik is that once you let the anger drive you, it starts making you messy and desperate, which we see in Gravik when he starts slaying his own people. Once Rhodey arrives at the hospital, he's stopped by Fury, who finally confronts him on being an actual Skrull. The uh, country appreciates your service to the president tonight, but I'm here now. You can go. You must be out of your scroll-ass mind. You think I'm going to let you get anywhere near the president? Well, in order to out me, Nick, you're going to have to kill me. And you don't want to kill me because you're not ready to die. 
Doesn't that feel like a line straight out of a Mission Impossible movie? We're getting the fun spy clapbacks and I just love it now. Squirrel Rhodey chastises Fury for always pulling out a gun but choking up when using it. He did it in the first episode at the bombing, the fourth episode on Priscilla, and when shooting Gravik right when he killed Talos. Squirrel Rhodey admits they're going to release the footage of Fury shooting Maria Hill and he'll be the most wanted man in America. Also, the man behind Fury ready to pull the trigger is the same man from episode two and he's in a sling because Fury broke his arm in Burner's Tavern. After Fury pistol whips Rhodey, we're in London. The redhead man, a.k.a. Director Weatherby, from episode three that Sonya identifies as a scroll and in episode one, who was briefed on Fury's return, is watching the same news footage of Fury shooting Maria Hill. Sonya arrives unannounced and promptly puts a gun to his head. She then questions him on the whereabouts of Dr. Rosa Dalton, then shoots through his hand into his leg. And I said it in our episode two coverage, but Sonya is pulling a Black Widow. In the comics, Black Widow just started shooting people. And if they bled green or turned into a scroll, that's how we knew. And I love how ruthless Sonya's being. This is why she's my favorite character. Once her fellow SIS officers arrive, they see their scroll director for who he really is. After seeing images of Talos shape-shifting on the news, it's probably not hard to surmise that their director is now a scroll. We're back at New Scrollos when Beto asks to speak to Gravik and wants to talk about Pagan. Then my man Gravik gets clipped by his own people. He literally scrolls out, even killing Xerxu. And what does Xerxu even do? After instilling fear into every scroll's eyes at New Scrollos, he slices Beto's throat, and like that, Pagan, Xerxu, and Beto are all dead. The last public execution was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and let me tell you, it didn't make anyone look like a hero, so Gravik has certainly hit rock bottom with his own people. Back in Brixton, Fury takes us to the same room from episode two where the scrolls were hiding out 30 years ago. Waiting for him is Gaia. We learn that the art and the buildings were assembled by immigrants from the West Indies after World War II. Brixton, alongside a lot of London, was bombed during the war, and when everything was damaged or completely gone between the 40s and 50s, many folks from the West Indies settled in Brixton. They were referred to as the Windrush Generation. Over time, Brixton began to expand and diversify, so that's why Fury and Talos like Brixton. They saw their stories and the people there. Gaia then informs Fury on how Gravik got the DNA samples he's using. What DNA did Gravik steal? Only a few samples. Calypsidian flora colossus. But he took those because he couldn't find what he was looking for. What was he looking for? Something he called the harvest. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. Calling all running nerds, Brooks has just dropped the Go 16, a sweet name for an even sweeter shoe. If you're looking for comfort for that morning jog or when you're hopping on that treadmill, look no further than the Go 16, which has a nitrogen-infused cushioning. That means it's nice, soft, and lightweight. So you got the comfort, but you don't sacrifice the speed. Turn those everyday miles into everyday endorphins and the better than ever Brooks Go 16. Click or tap the banner to learn more. We learned later in the episode that instead of using the DODC, Fury used the scrolls led by Gravik to collect samples, now referred to as the harvest of all the Avengers who fought Thanos during Endgame. We don't know what Fury's plan was with the samples, and I think we should keep that noted because why would Fury need Carol Danvers' DNA? Regardless, this is the reason Fury came back, and this is why it's all so personal. They close their conversation with Fiora giving Gaia the keys to the van with her father's dead body in it. She's taking the body to Fury's house to see Priscilla, and Fury's going to Finland. At Dr. Rosa Dalton's house, we see Sonya at the same lab we see in episode 3. Sonya begins interrogating Dalton, asking for all the information they have on the machine used to make the Super Scrolls. Sonya torches their lab, and Victor Dalton breaks free from his chains and chops this man in the throat. And this is the second time someone has been chopped in the throat in this series. (laughs) 
It's insane. He demands Sonia free them or he'll kill Rosa. So Sonia shoots him directly in the head. But before shooting him, she says this. Oh, I don't doubt you for a moment. The males in my species are very similar. If they're not busy gaslighting you, they're threatening you with murder. That's what all the podcasts are about. She's probably referring to all the popular true crime podcasts because more often than not, the men are serial killers and psychopaths gaslighting women in every story. Go figure. We're now with Gaia, who's seated over her dead father. His body will be set on fire soon, and we still haven't seen this scene of Gaia weeping over someone's dead body from the trailer yet. So either the scene was cut from the final product, or we'll have a death that really affects her later that's closer to her than her dad was. The president is awake now, and Rhodey is urging him to bomb New Skrullos. Luckily, Ritson knows that that would start a war with Russia. And at the beginning of the episode, we saw Fury whispering to Ritson not to trust Rhodey. We don't know if he could hear him, so the conversation is still up in the air. Fury gets a call from Grobic, and we haven't seen them have a one-on-one conversation like this in the series so far. Additionally, I just want to say... These shots are beautiful. It's sort of eye-opening to see the comparison of Fury getting into a private jet surrounded by blue skies and Gravik in a dusted, torn, abandoned radioactive site. It's like the stark contrast of good versus evil seeping into this show, and I, I just really like it. Once on the plane, we're greeted by this guy, and if he looks familiar, it's because this is Rick Mason, a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and friend to Natasha Romanoff that we saw in Black Widow. Mason has access to literally everything. He gives Fury a fake passport and the Widow's veil that disguises your face. We saw Natasha use this in Captain America Winter Soldier and Black Widow. Priscilla and Gaia perform a somewhat traditional funeral for Talos, and Captain Marvel, Talos says just about the same thing Gaia says right here. Safe journey to the beyond, my friend. Fury meets up with Sonya and she turns on the radio to rap music, which, yes, is very funny. The song is Audacity by Stormzy. Sonya and Fury arrive at his tombstone. And yes, this is the second time we've seen Fury's tombstone. In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, we actually see his American tombstone with Ezekiel 2517 engraved. This one in Finland has a passage from John 15, 13. As we close this episode, Fury puts on his classic eye patch, black trench coat, and presumably calls Gravik, telling him, It's time. Let's finish this. Our OG Fury is back, and the messy, scared one that disappeared after the blip is out of here. Gone, baby. And that's it for my Easter egg video on episode five of Secret Invasion. We talk about the new scroll DODC, a vial of all the Avengers DNA, and Fury being a father to the MCU's newest villain. Subscribe to the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Ringerverse, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash the ringer. Thanks for watching, and like Pagan said, You should be proud, G. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.